The Second Generation Podcast is a space to discuss issues and experiences unique to second-generation millennials living in North America. I want to tell untold stories that are often not documented, and through this, insert the perspectives of this unique demographic into the mainstream narratives about life, work, family, politics, and everything else in between. So this is a story about how my first language is Urdu and how I learned English as a three and a half year old. It's also a story about how teaching me English backfired a little bit to my parents and how they forced me to retain the ability to speak Urdu later as I became older. So let's go back to September 1994, the day before Labor Day, which is the day before my first day of kindergarten. The sun was shining through the window of my room in our Scarborough home and there was an easel with markers right in the middle of the room. It was the day before my first day of kindergarten. I was about three and a half years old and my mom was teaching me how to spell my name in advance of my first day tomorrow, the next day. Uh, The prep work was the first of many lessons that would come from my parents who throughout elementary school would spend hours after school teaching and practicing English or math lessons that were ahead of whatever grade I was studying in at that time. The day before kindergarten was a big day, and we had spent all summer preparing for it. Because until that summer, my mom didn't realize that I didn't have the English skills necessary to communicate at school, but we'll get back to that later. So in the early 1990s, my parents were still relatively new to Canada. My mom had been a PhD student at the University of Alberta before she married my dad in 1990, but their life together in Scarborough, where they'd move in, was still new. I grew up in a home where Urdu and Punjabi were the primary languages that we spoke. So Urdu is one of the main languages spoken in Pakistan and Punjabi is another dialect that's spoken in the regions that my parents grew up in. My parents would speak Punjabi to each other but Urdu to my brother and I. So this is also around the time that my grandmother lived with us and she only spoke Urdu and Punjabi. So we actually made a special effort to only talk in Urdu so that she never felt left out. Spending a lot of time with her also meant that my brother and I learned a lot of Urdu and Punjabi from her. So, since we had barely any English exposure beyond what was on TV, and by the way, this is before three-year-olds had iPads, of course, so TV literally was the only place where I would have learned English. Um, Naturally, because we didn't have that exposure, I just didn't know English by the time I was three and a half and ready to go to kindergarten. Um, So a lot of people don't know this, but Urdu actually was my first language before English, although you would never be able to tell now. So by the time kindergarten rolled around, my parents realized something really important, which is that I could barely speak English, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, We barely spoke it at home, so, you know, it makes sense that I wouldn't have learned it. So what my mom decided to do to solve this issue is she sent me to a summer camp through the Toronto District School Board so that I would be around English speakers and pick up the language before school started. So I was literally three and a half years old and in this camp with five to eight years old, five to eight year olds, uh, and I could not speak a word of English. Uh, What I remember is some awkward moments of realizing that people were speaking to me or that it was my turn to share something in a circle, Uh, but I just remember being very confused and I had no way to articulate myself. So 
I would just stare at people's faces blankly, uh, which probably made for a lot of awkward moments, but I genuinely had no idea what was going on. Uh, so anyways, I went through this camp and made my way into kindergarten with the ability to spell my name, uh, which looking back is, is pretty impressive, but I guess, you know, children really very easily pick up new languages. Uh, I don't remember too much about kindergarten, to be honest, except that I once um, unfairly got accused of hurting another child and I had to sit in the blue chair, which is the timeout chair. Uh, <laughs> that's one of my only memories of kindergarten and also the Scholastic Book Fair, which was the shit. Uh, but anyways, the point is that camp and kindergarten really must have helped me because I was uh, reading and doing everything that I needed to in English by the time grade one rolled around. However... By the time that my brother and I were in grades three and four, my parents realized that we had now learned too much English and we were actually forgetting how to speak our native language. So watching TV every day and spending so much time at school, my brother and I would only ever communicate in English now and Urdu was not as instinctive as it used to be before. And so my parents decided to intervene and they decided to make a rule around the house. If we were speaking to our parents, then we had to speak in Urdu. Um, although, side note, for some reason, my brother and I were allowed to speak English to each other, which means that talking in Urdu to each other now is super weird now. Uh, but anyways, this rule existed in our home, and we would get in trouble if we broke it too many times. Uh, of course, at that time, I thought it was really silly, and I don't know if many other parents in Canada did this or not. Um, but anyway, so the other day, I went to my parents' house, and I asked my mom about how this... All of this happened, and this is what she told me. Worry was because when I went to other people's home, even before I went, I was married. The children would not speak in Urdu, oh. and they would only communicate in English. And the parents will talk to them in Urdu, and they will respond in English. And, and you didn't want that. And I never wanted that. So I mean. We do it all the time, even us. We go back and forth. What is it called? When you switch from one language to another? I don't know. I just learned the term. Well, switching, whatever. It's, 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 there's a term for it. I'm forgetting it. So, but we all do that, but it's important at least that you, that you know you understand it. Cool. And it's a rich language. It's uh, the poetry and everything about it, right? Mm -hmm. You cannot understand the culture without knowing the language. Mm -hmm. So, and it's important to retain. You are the second generation here. If you do not retain the language, then your children will not, right? So as you can see, the theme here is that my mom recognized even back then that we needed to retain our language in order to be able to connect to our culture. So after I spoke with my mom, I asked my brother if he had anything to share, and uh, he had a very deep, reflective comment about this, which I'll share with you right now. Do you have anything to share? I'm eating right now. <laughs> okay, thanks. So yeah, like I said, very deep, reflective comments. Um, but really, uh, what came out of all of this is the active insistence of speaking our native language at home, especially when we were young and our brains were able to absorb and remember languages. Uh, what came out of that was the fluency of Urdu and a decent understanding and speaking ability for Punjabi. 
So most of my teenage years, I took this for granted that I was able to speak another language. But now that I'm older, I've learned that the language has become such a strong tool and bridge for me to go back to my roots, my family. And a lot of times with the, with the older generation, it's the only way that I can communicate with certain elderly family members that don't speak English. Uh, of course, one perk is communicating in Urdu with my family or friends when we don't want other people to know what we're saying, which has been very handy uh, at some times. Um, but on a more serious note, when my grandparents were alive, I was actually able to use Urdu and Punjabi uh, to ask them about their political views, their experiences in Pakistan. Um, to some extent, I tried asking them about their experiences with the partition um, and questions about how our parents or other family members were when they were growing up then. I also found that in adulthood, when I revisited things in the form of things like music, uh, such as ghazals, kawalis, and Sufi poetry, that I was able to understand the beauty of these literary pieces, which would not have been possible if I didn't speak Urdu or understand Urdu or Punjabi. There are, if anyone speaks another language, you know what I mean when I say that there are certain words and phrases uh, that sometimes just cannot be expressed in English, or if they are translated in English, they, they still lose their true meaning when they're translated into another language such as English. And so being able to understand the stuff in the language that it's produced in really gives you a new way to connect to another culture. In fact, now if I ever see an Urdu poetry event, I actually want to attend, and sometimes I'll listen to ghazals and kawalis on my own, which back in the day I used to think were really, really boring. But now that I can listen and actually understand the words and reflect on the words as an adult, I find some of these forms of expression so powerful and beautiful and there literally is no English poetry that can ever come close to what this type of um, forms of expression can express in those languages. Uh, or, for example, another another way that it's been helpful for me is if you if you listen to my last episode, which was on uh, Little India, the neighborhood uh, Gerard India Bazaar in Toronto. Uh, I, if you remember, I had interviewed a local shopkeeper, and I had kind of briefly mentioned this in the interview, but. Uh, in the last episode, but the only reason that this shopkeeper agreed to do the interview with me is because before we did the interview, we were actually chatting casually in Urdu. And we had, you know, connected about where she lived and her family and stuff like that. And there was, I think, uh, uh, this added level of comfort for her. Um, and I really don't think that without having those conversations and establishing that familiarity, I don't think she would have trusted me to do an interview um, with someone who literally just walked into her store and be and have it recorded um, if I had explained everything in English and just simply asked her to participate. So that is just one example of how I find that I'm able to connect with people because I have this tool in my toolkit. And then of course, whenever I visit Pakistan, which is probably every few years, um, being fluent in Urdu means that I can function in everyday life there. I mean, of course, I, I do stick out because, um, you know, your mannerisms and all this stuff is different than the local people there, but I can still participate to some extent. Like, I'm comfortable bargaining in markets when I have the confidence to do so. Um, I can observe social interactions between people and pick up on exactly what's happening and I can understand what's going on. Uh, I can, to some extent, listen to the local news. 
and of course I can get to know family members who I didn't have any connection to before and I'm able to connect with them because of language. Uh, but you know what's interesting is that I should note that while I am fluent in Urdu and so is my partner, uh, I speak 100% in English with my partner and if we have kids it would be really hard I think to teach them Urdu because we're in this habit of constantly speaking English. And if we don't speak Urdu to our children then that means that the language will die right there. Uh, and I'm sure there's others in the same situation, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in the next generation amongst people who are kind of like us. They speak Urdu, but maybe not every day and maybe not to the level where they would be able to, you know, have their children be fluent in the language. And so in closing, while I, I grew up uh, and resented being grounding, sorry, I, I resented being grounded for something as silly as not speaking Urdu at home, uh, this relatively minor effort that my parents made gave me this gift, really, that allows me to access a whole other world now as an adult. And from what I've observed, I don't think that there's many other second-generation millennials, at least from Pakistan, uh, who have the same level of fluency as my brother and I do with Urdu. That's an observation, uh, just anecdotally. Uh, I'm curious to know if others who were born here were pressured by their parents to stay fluent in Urdu or if it really wasn't something they thought about, but I think it's a really interesting dynamic to explore. So that brings us to the end of this episode, and thank you as always for listening.